This is a recording for the Church of the Resurrection. We are an Anglican church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Our worship includes the proclamation of God's Word, the regular celebration of the Holy Communion, and an expectation that the Holy Spirit is active in the church and our lives. Please join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Boys and Girls Club on 824 East 14th Street. Have you ever found yourselves becoming jaded? You got into your field of work, maybe, for very idealistic reasons. You wanted to change the world. You really wanted to help people. I look out today, and I see so many people in helping professions. Um, or, uh, but, but you find yourself numb to it all. It's okay, it happens, but, but you have to resist it, right? Uh, because you witness people, other people in the field who compl- can become pl- completely jaded and numb. Yeah, it's a, it's a coping mechanism. I notice this especially in hospitals, um, that uh, even chaplains have a little bit of a morbid sense of humor. And I think it just keeps them from, from going crazy. You see, you're around so much sickness and suffering and death that, um, that you, you kind of shut yourself off to becoming emotionally involved in that. But, but I heard a story f- from a chaplain. I, I didn't actually witness this, but I heard a story from a chaplain once that was, that was just a little much. Um, this chaplain uh, witnessed this event where uh, an ambulance arrived, but the patient that they were uh, dr- uh, bringing to the hospital was dead. And so this, this chaplain witnessed this disagreement between the EMTs and the doctor that both want to wash their hands of the situation. And the doctor, the doctor, the doctor who hopefully got into the field to to help and heal people um, was like, why did you bring me this dead dead person? Why did you you bring this person? And on two different occasions, the doctor referred to the the deceased, a person made in the image of God. The person referred to the the deceased as a bag of meat, as a sack of meat. Why did you bring a sack of meat here? Do you think that when this doctor was, was in med school, <laughs> when this doctor was thinking about all the work they're going to have to do, do you think that they could picture themselves um, becoming that jaded? I doubt it. Our spiritual lives, we go through ebbs and flows. We go through times when we feel close to God, and there are times when we feel further from God. Times that we feel jaded by experience, by perhaps isolation. And there are times when we experience God's good, goodness in its fullness. Today's sermon is, is part of a series we're doing on our values as a renewal movement in, in the greater church. And that we are part of this movement um, that sees itself uh, as, as a renewal movement. That we're planting a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. And uh, with that revival, there are five aspects to it. All of them have S's. They're the five S's. All of them come from Acts 2. And Four of the five have full in it. Um, kind of like these patterns. And if we can make them five S's, that works. And if, if uh, it f- fits into this idea of fully alive, what, it mean, what does it mean to be fully alive in Jesus Christ? Um, we like it even more. So these five things are, uh, we ourselves see ourselves as being fully scriptural. We see ourselves as being fully sacramental. We want to be full of the Spirit. We want to f- um, be free to sacrifice for others. That's the one that's not full. And then, um, I guess the third, fourth, and fifth, though, uh, we focus on the salvation of others, the five S's. 
And today, um, in 1 Corinthians, the reading that, that, um, that Rebecca read for us this morning, by the way, um, we should, don't, but, but she deserves a round of applause for, for that. Anytime you do that reading from Acts with all the Phrygians and Parthians, like, that's like the hardest reading that you can do. She did a fine job with that. But the, the other reading from 1 Corinthians um, is one where we see the gifts of the Spirit. And many uh, sermons on the Holy Spirit focus on the gifts. And so let me just say we believe in all those things. That, that um, We talk about the uh, sevenfold gifts. Uh, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit um, but I'm not here to, to, this morning to, to talk about, well, oh, we can use the Holy Spirit for this gift. Um, my focus this morning is more on what does it mean to be a church that's full of the Spirit today in 2019 here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? What does it mean to be a church that's full of the Spirit? How do we, how do, we do that? Uh, what, what does that mean? So like I said, as a renewal movement, we, we say about ourselves, we say that we are planting a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. Um, a revival. What, what does that word bring to mind when you hear it? Do you have positive connotations or do you have negative connotations? I got to be honest, when I hear that word, I, I kind of have negative ones. I see maybe emotionalism. I, I think uh, maybe that, that word makes me think of, of, um, of maybe an emotional high and then people who would go to a revival, get all excited and then maybe not follow up and maybe not even... Yeah, they commit their, themselves to Christ, but, but it's not a day-to-day thing. So do you see it that way? Or, or, do you think about people getting excited about God for a few weeks and then going back to lives as normal? Or do you get excited for the idea of a Jesus movement spreading throughout this town? Do you yearn for revival? Do you seek that? If you're a little resistant to the idea, I don't blame you. The first thing that comes to mind when I picture revivals is the Second Great Awakening. Um, This is a a, a big societal movement that we experienced in in America and uh, in the mid-19th century. Um, And to read from Wikipedia... uh, The Second Great Awakening reflected romanticism characterized by enthusiasm emotion and an appeal to the supernatural. Well, I hope that all Christian movements appeal to the supernatural. We believe in supernatural things. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that God became a man. So we believe in the supernatural. We believe in all the miracles in the Bible. Um, But yeah, if if you think of that enthusiasm, emotion, romanticism, I, I understand why maybe revival would have kind of a negative connotation in your mind. Um, and one of the main figures in, in the Second Great Awakening was a guy named Charles Finney, who was genuinely manipulative. Like, he believed there's a formula into, like, if you play the organ and you have the choir swell at a certain point, you can actually use that to kind of manipulate people into becoming Christians. And so I, I would understand if there's skepticism. We don't believe that. We believe that revival is a work of the Holy Spirit. And we seek and we pray for revival. We want this city, we want thousands of people to know Jesus as their Lord. That's what we want. Because that's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit works supernaturally. On that day of Pentecost, 5,000 people were were saved. 5,000 people were at it. We see revivals of the Holy Spirit like a flame to, to dry kindling. That's what we see the Holy Spirit do. 
And so if you think of revival, if you think of emotionalism and people making a commitment to Jesus Christ, you're, you're right to be skeptical. Because in fact, the important thing isn't the commitment to Christ that you made when you were super emotional, when the organ was playing and the choir was swinging or the band was sounding really good and they had the speaker who was shouting and sweating and you were just really feeling it. The important thing isn't the commitment that you made there, but the important thing is the commitment that Jesus made to you. That's what's important. But like I said, we have seen the Holy Spirit move through revival. We have seen revivals throughout the history of the church. Starting on the day of Pentecost, we saw the Holy Spirit work powerfully to change hearts and to change minds. And we should pray for that here in Sioux Falls. We would have a Holy Spirit revival movement of hundreds and thousands of people coming to know Jesus Christ. We should pray for that here. Lord, let your Spirit come to this place. Wake us up. Wake us up, Spirit. Wake us up from your slumber. Let us not be that jaded doctor. Let us be uh, people filled with the Spirit. Let us be be people who who have our hearts that are just torn, that our hearts are turned for the things that that turn the, the Lord's heart. In the creed we say, I believe in the Lord, the giver of life. Lord, give us life. Help us to see as you see. We've grown too accustomed to seeing injustice in our community. We've grown too accustomed to seeing people marginalized for their, for, for their skin color. We've grown too accustomed to seeing people starving, people who don't have homes. Lord, let your spirit have a revival in our hearts. We are walking in our sleep. We've allowed ourselves to be apathetic about the division between races. We've allowed divorce to become pervasive in the church. We need a revival. We want to see a revival of people coming to know Jesus, and we want a revival of hearts of people who already know Jesus to wake us from our slumber, to pull in our heartstrings, to wake us from our slumber, uh, to, to get us out of our apathy and to serve him. On the second page of your bulletins, you don't need to turn to it, but on the second page of your bulletins, every week it says, Church of the Resurrection, a place for transformation. This is what it means to be a church full of the Spirit, that this is a place of transformation. It means that we have an expectation that the Holy Spirit is active in the church and in our lives. Do you believe it? Do you believe that through the proclamation of of the word that thousands of people can come to know Jesus? Do you believe it? Do you believe that this place can be a place of transformation? That we are not stuck in our sins? That we are not stuck with broken relationships? Do you believe it? We rely on the Holy Spirit everything, for everything. So to say that, that, that um, I, I, I want to convey today that, that God is powerfully at work in the world um, and that being a church full of the Spirit is something that every church should seek to be and certainly we should do that here. Why? Because we believe the Spirit, we rely on the Spirit for everything. Everything. God the Father sent the Son to save us from our sins. Jesus did his work on earth. He died, he was resurrected, he ascended to the Father And then he sent his spirit. And in our gospel reading today, it says, Jesus says, it's a good thing for me to go away because then I can send my helper to you. And his disciples are like, "Ah, 
we'd like a little bit more of you. Are you interested in hanging out for another, I don't know, thousand years? But Jesus is like, no, it's good for me to go away because my, my helper is going to come. And they, they had no idea how good the helper would be. Jesus promised he would be with us forever. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus, can, Jesus is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We rely on the Holy Spirit for everything. We rely on the Holy Spirit for Jesus to be present with us. We rely on the Holy Spirit for Jesus to be present with us as we experience his body and blood in, in um, Holy Communion. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we experience God as we journey through life. And we believe this, that our faith is different from other religions. It's even been said before that it's no religion at all. Pastor Tim Keller used this imaginary dialogue between a first century Christian back when Jesus, when Christians were new to the world. Imagine this dialogue between a Christian and his pagan neighbor. And his, his neighbor says, ah, I hear you are religious. Great. Religion is a good thing. Where is your temple or holy place? And the Christian replies, we have no temple. Jesus is our temple. No temple, but where do your priests do their work? We don't have priests to mediate the presence of God, replies the Christian. Jesus is our priest. No priests, but where do you offer sacrifices to acquire the favor of your God? We don't need a sacrifice, replies the Christian. Jesus is our sacrifice. Well, what kind of religion is this? Sputters the pagan neighbor. The answer is it's no kind of religion at all. See, we aren't like other religions that um, go through the motions, that do the worship thing to... Um, to twist God's arm to get him to give us favor. We already have the Lord's favor through the power and work of Jesus Christ. We have that. that he lived a perfect life in our stead, and his righteousness is credited to us. It's given to us as a gift, and it's considered as our own. But we're not only delivered from the eternal consequences of sin, we are also delivered from the power of sin. So it's not just that when you go to that when you die, that you will have an answer to say, Jesus forgave my sins. In the time between now and then, you have the Holy Spirit. Um, it's not just you struggling with sin. The Holy Spirit works on your behalf, changing your heart. We are not left to battle our temptations alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. We are not left on our own to mend relationships. The Holy Spirit is there to mend relationships. Those broken relationships that, that we become fatalistic about. I don't know about you, I often become fatalistic about relationships, and I say, this person will never change. And maybe it's my own heart that I'm afraid will never change, that the hurt that I have will never go away. We become fatalistic, so we need a revival. We need to be reminded that we have the Holy Spirit that can change hearts, that can heal what is broken. The Holy Spirit is responsible for changing our hearts to beat for the things that God cares about for noticing those in the margins of society and for convicting us of our own sins. The Holy Spirit also works in the hearts of those who don't know Jesus too. There's a saying in our movement of churches, um, I don't know who came up with it, maybe it was our bishop, but there's a saying that, that, that occurs a lot that I don't say enough of. And that is that God does everything and we do something. God does everything, and we do something. 
Outside of our movement of churches, there is great disagreement on the, the relation and role of God and us and free will and all that stuff. You have people called five-point Calvinists who believe in something called double predestination. And they're like, no, we have nothing to do with it. God sovereignly elects you and you and you and you and you and you, and we have nothing to do with it. And then on the other side, you have uh, people called Arminians who are like, mm, 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 mm. we have our own free will and we choose God. God doesn't choose us. Well, we don't, kind of, we, we don't find ourselves in either place. We say something that would kind of irritate both of them. Uh, we say God does everything and we do something. In other words, we, we, are, we baptize our babies, um, but we say there needs to be faith present in that family. Um, that, 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 that that baby needs to do something. Um, that that baby needs to grow up and profess faith of their own. Um, this is something that, that is very important because we believe um, God does everything and we do something. When we come to faith, we believe the Holy Spirit has already started a conversation with us. That God is doing that work of, of, ta- of, of preparing our hearts to hear the word. When we come to faith, we do something. We, we, we come to faith in Jesus Christ, but God is already in conversation with us. So we believe that the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to do the work of evangelism. And if, if you don't like that word, we could say outreach. That God, that God gives us, God empowers us to do the work of outreach, of bringing people to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of the power of the Holy Spirit. That when we go out and we share our faith in any way, we believe that we are just continuing a conversation that God has already started with that person. The Holy Spirit is already working on their hearts, turning them towards God. We are just continuing that conversation that God has already started. And I'll talk about this more in a couple weeks when I preach on, um, on our value of focusing on the salvation of others and how that's an empowering word for us, that we can feel confident in, in focusing on the salvation of others, knowing that God is already working in their hearts. We're not salesmen trying to seal the deal that, that are trying to talk them into faith, but we're just sharing our, our faith and God is working in them to come to faith. It's an empowering word for us. So I've, I've shared this illustration with most of you already, but it's so good, I'm going to share it again. Especially since we liken the Holy Spirit to fire. And it's the story of Elijah on the, the top of Mount Carmel. Uh, the stories of Elijah are such powerful stories, and they're stories that, that you could probably identify with a little bit. Um, Elijah, as, as a prophet of the Lord, felt tremendous loneliness. He was like, God, why am I the only believer? And God's like, you're not, but I'm going to come and minister to you anyway. There's just, there's just beauty in the life of Elijah. There's beauty in it. But in this particular story, and again, uh, he felt so lonely because he lived in a time of great uh, wickedness and, and, and worship, of, uh, a great time of great idolatry. And during his life, uh, he saw the prophets of Baal um, in God's own holy nation. God said, you're, you're a holy nation. And, and, and the kings and, and the, the nation turned against the living God and turned towards statues made of wood. And at one point, uh, Elijah had a showdown with the prophets of Baal on the top of Mount Carmel. And I love it because it's a great story. It has the only trash talk I know of in the Bible um, where the prophets of Baal get to go first and they're cutting themselves and doing what pagans do. They're dancing around and, and he's like, where's your God? Ha ha, like, where's your God? Maybe he went on vacation 
or maybe he's on the toilet. It's awesome trash talk. And then it's Elijah's turn. And um, again, I don't know if this is just like trash talk, but um, not only did, when they built the altar, not only did they build the altar, but he's like, this is going to burn, but I'm going to show you how powerful God is. We're going to dump water all over it, which is not a good idea. Just if you're trying to start a fire, like don't dump water on it. But he, he dumps all kinds of water and he prays and fire comes down from heaven and it consumes the, the sacrifice. It consumes the entire altar, the water. It licks up all the water and it even burns up the stones, this fire from heaven. It's this powerful story and it's a good illustration for us in that what did Elijah do he, besides trash talk? Elijah built the altar and God provided the fire. And as we do our work of outreach, that, that, that we are not alone. We're just called to do that work. And we pray for revival. And we pray for God to work powerfully, that hundreds and thousands may come to know the Lord. Um, but we're called to do that work. And we pray for the Holy Spirit, for that fire from heaven to come down, metaphorically, and, and burn in the hearts of those that we encounter on a daily and weekly basis. We build the altar, but God provides the fire. The Holy Spirit makes things come alive. He makes you come alive and he makes me come alive. He wakes us from our stupor, from our spiritual stupor, from our, from our, uh, our blindness, from those times when we are going through the motions. The Holy Spirit is present and it wakes us up. So just a, a, a quick word, um, uh, I guess a, a etymology um, you, you may wonder, uh, Holy Spirit movements can, can tend to be considered a little strange. Uh, when you picture the Holy Spirit, you may picture people doing really weird things, people um, running up and down the aisles, rolling around, um, people doing things that don't seem to make sense. And, and that may be like, I don't know what that is. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit, or the Bible talks about um, speaking in tongues, but you're like, I, God hasn't given me that gift. Um, so there, there are we would uh, consider ourselves charismatic. Would, would I, the way I would define that is we believe powerfully in the work of the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit can work powerfully. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is present in our lives today and can work powerfully. And then when we look at the book of Acts, we see the, the Holy Spirit do amazing things. We see people who are resurrected from the dead. Jesus wasn't the only person who was resurrected from the dead. We see resurrections in the book of Acts of people who are dead um, brought back to life. We see uh, healing. And we believe that that same spirit can work in that same way today. We believe that. And that when, when we have Holy Communion, we, we always have um, uh, somebody available for intercessory prayer. And yes, we hope that that's comforting to you to be able to be prayed for. But we also believe that, 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 that we have an intercessor with the Father, that, that as we pray to God, that God can heal. So when you come to Amy or Ryan over there, that, that through prayer, that God can work. We can pray for very serious things and that God can work. We believe that. We believe that God is doing a powerful work of transformation. The book of Ezekiel has a beautiful passage on the Valley of Dry Bones. Are you familiar with this? It's the most famous part of Ezekiel, I would say. It comes from Ezekiel chapter 37. And I try not to do too many lengthy recitations of scripture, but this is really good. I want this to be in our minds. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. 
and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Just to skip a few verses, so I'm not reading the entire passage. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it, declares the Lord. God does everything everything we do something. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied over those bones and what did God do? God brought them to life. These dry bones in a valley, God assembled. And not only did he assemble them into these skeletons, he brought them to life, he breathed life into them. The Holy Spirit makes dead things come alive. He transforms you and he transforms me. He transforms cities, he transforms relationships and he transforms lives. He heals and he restores. Friends, we are planting a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. We're gathered here in the Lord's Day for word and sacrament, and we're planting this thing. God does everything, we do something. We're planting the revival, but we are waiting for that Holy Spirit to do his work. We share with others the goodness of God, which can be made real through the power of the Holy Spirit. We share testimonies of his power. I remember when Isaac was first diagnosed with Pompeii disease, I asked my friends to pray for a miraculous healing. Why is that? When I look at the book of Acts, I see every miracle followed by a testimony about the power of God. That every miracle in the book of Acts was a testimony to the Lord who is the Lord of life, the Lord who can do these powerful things. And I prayed for a powerful work because the Lord works in that same way today. I wanted the doctors to be baffled. I wanted them to be like, well, this doesn't make any medical sense. And I wanted, to be, I wanted to be able to say to them, can I share with you about the Lord who can make the weak strong, who can blow your mind? I want to see restored relationships so that you and I can testify to others, so we can say, I thought this relationship would never heal, but the Lord healed it. I want the Holy Spirit to give us a testimony Friends, let's pray for a revival right here in Sioux Falls. Let's pray for our hearts to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's pray for this thing that we've planted. Let's pray that this thing will see the fruit of transformed lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. 
that you make things come alive, that you make dead things come alive. Lord, fill us with your spirit today. Um, Give us your heart. Let us not be numb uh, to those at the margins of society. Lord, let us pray boldly for revival. Pray us all in Christ's name. Amen.